You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This ep- this podcast is based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes you and I us to 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 win in life, to triumph in life. God wants us to win. Come on, say I win. Come on, say it again. I win. Come on, say it one more time. I win. Let's make it a personal. I am a winner. Come on, say that. I am a winner. Now, uh, for those of you that have been listening to this podcast, I began a few weeks ago a series on worry or trust, or how are you responding? And I changed the directions that I was teaching on to deal with the crisis. The coronavirus is a public health crisis, but it's also an economic crisis. So I changed because I believe the word of God is the answer. And I wanted to give you some answers to how to respond to the crisis that we're facing because God wants us to win. This is our third episode, worry or trust. How are you responding now? We said in our very first episode that worry and trust are mutually exclusive. In other words, you can't worry and trust God at the same time. We spent two episodes, episode one and episode two, on worry. Today, in this third episode, we're going to begin to talk about trust. Oh, I'm telling you, it is time for us to trust God. It is time for us to trust God. Now, as an act of faith, I want you to say this after me. I trust God. Come on, say it. I trust God. Come on, let's make it personal. I trust God in this situation, in this crisis. Come on, say it. Talk to the devil. Say, I trust God. Talk to the devil. Talk to circumstances. Talk to situations. Talk to shortage. Talk to anything that confronts you. And I want you to say, I trust God. So let's talk about trust. We're going to spend a few episodes talking about trust. But I want to give you a background text, a background text. And I want you to listen because I'm going to give you this text from the Message Bible. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 24 in the Message Bible. And I want you to listen, and and I want you to go back later, and I want you to pull up this text. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25 in the Message Bible. Listen to it. One day, he, speaking of Jesus, and his disciples got in a boat. Jesus said, let's cross the lake. And off they went. It was smooth sailing at first, and Jesus fell asleep. And a terrific storm 
came on suddenly on the lake. Now listen at that. A terrific storm came up suddenly. Say suddenly. A terrific storm came up suddenly on the lake. Water poured in and they were about to capsize. You got to listen to this. Water poured in and they were about to capsize. They woke Jesus. Master, master, we're going to drown. Doesn't sound like faith words. Getting to his feet, he told the wind silence and the waves quiet down. And they did. The lake became smooth as glass. Then he said to his disciples, why can't you trust me? Listen at that. Why can't you trust me? That's the, that's the, that's the message Bible. Now, let, let, let's, let's look at this, and then we're going to go back to that text because there's some very important information in this text. Very, very important information. So let's define our term. What is trust? Give you one definition. What is trust? Trust, to trust someone, means to involuntary, involuntarily make yourself dependent on that person for some outcome, result, or consequence. I'll give it to you again. To trust someone is to voluntarily make yourself dependent on that person for some outcome, result, or consequences. I'm gonna say that one more time because that's a really good definition. What does it mean to trust someone? To trust someone is to voluntarily make yourself dependent on that person for some outcome, result, or consequences. Now, when we look at our text, when we look at our text, the Bible in the Message Bible says that Jesus said, let us cross over the lake. Jesus fell asleep and a terrific storm, not just a storm, but a terrific storm came suddenly, say suddenly, a terrific storm came suddenly on the lake. And the message Bible says the water poured into the boat and they were about to capsize. The boat was getting ready to turn over. And they woke up Jesus and, and they said, Master, we're drowning. We're about to drown. And Jesus woke up and Jesus said to the wind, silence. And then he said to the waves, quiet down. And they did it. And the Bible, the message Bible said the lake became as smooth as glass, as smooth as glass. Then Jesus turned to the disciples and he said these words. Why can't you trust me? Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that sounds a little harsh to me. It sounds a little judgmental to me. I don't know about you, but the, the scripture says that a terrific storm came. And the scripture says 
that the waters poured into the boat and they in the boat were about to capsize. So it, you know, that seems a little harsh to me to turn to the disciples and say, why can't you trust me? But maybe it wasn't harsh. Maybe Jesus realized that things in the spirit were not as bad as things were in the natural. Did you get that? Maybe Jesus realized that things in the spirit, the spiritual world, were not as bad as things, water pouring into the boat, boat by the capsize. Maybe things were not as bad in the spirit. In other words, listen carefully to me. Listen, because I'm going to lay some heavy stuff on you today. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to bring back a, a word that God gave to me almost 20 years ago. 20 years ago, he said, economic upheaval is coming. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But it appears to me that Jesus wants us, you and I, to trust him even when things look really bad. Jesus wants you and I, wants us to trust him even when things look really bad. He wants us to trust him when it looks like we're not going to make it. Wow. I said he wants us to trust him when things look really bad. Now, somebody said, well, things look really bad right now, Mike. Yeah. But what if, oh, this is just an if, what if things get worse what are you going to do if things get worse? You see, Jesus wants us to trust him even when things look really bad. Water poured into the ship. They were about to capsize. That's real water. That's drowning kind of water. That's not spiritual water. It is drowning kind of water. And the boat is full of water. And the boat is tilting the boat is tilting, the boat is tilting and about to capsize. And Jesus looked at them and said, why can't you trust me? So let's talk about trust, why it is so important to trust, why it's so important to trust. There are three basic reasons, three primary reasons why trust is so very important. Number one, because trust is necessary for the formation, the continuation, and the strength of any kind of personal relationship. I'll say that one more time. Trust is necessary for the formation, the continuation, and the strength of any type of personal relationship. And really, we're primarily talking about our relationship with God, our relationship with God. 
if we're going to form a relationship with God, continue a relationship with God, and have a strong relationship with God, then trust is essential. A second reason why trust is so very important is because all of us humans, we need a dependable and predictable relationship or environment to feel safe or to order our lives. I'll say that again. We humans, all of us, we need a dependable and predictable relationship or environment in order to feel safe, in order to order our lives. In other words, if I'm going to feel safe in a relationship, I need trust because I need a relationship that I can depend on, a person that I can depend on, and I need predictability. I don't need somebody who's moody. Sometimes they want to fellowship, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they want to talk, sometimes they don't. So we need trust and we need a dependable and predictable relationship. We need a dependable and predictable environment to feel safe. When the environment is not predictable, when the environment is not dependable, then I don't feel safe. You don't feel safe. So we need that and trust when we have trusting relationships, when we have trusting environments, then we feel safe and then we can order our lives. And that's true even with God. When we have trust in God, we can predict what he's going to do. We can predict a dependable environment that he's going to provide for us. We don't have to worry about God getting moody on us. We don't have to worry about God sometimes want to be bothered with us and sometimes he doesn't want to be bothered with us. So we need to trust him because he trusts us and we have to become trustworthy. Now, a third reason why trust is so very important is because trust because all of us, watch this, have limitations. God tree created you and I with limitations. God created you and I with limitations. And since we have limitations, we realize we have a need for others and we have a need for God. I think God created us with limitations on purpose. I really do. I think God uh, put apostles, prophets, and evangelists and pastors in the church. So, because you, believer, have limitations. But then the Bible says... He put the ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers in the church to perfect the saints so that the saints could do the work of the ministry. So even the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher has limitations. So we are dependent on one another. So God created us with limitations so we will realize that we have a need for others, but also that we will realize that we have a need for him, for him.
I want to say something quickly and then I got to get into some other stuff. Why do people find it hard to trust? Why, you know, why is it so hard for us to trust God? A lot of times in church we say, I trust God until we hit a hard place. I'm asking you, do you trust him now? You're at home now. You've been relegated to being in your home, not at work, not at school. Do you trust him now? Okay. Why is it that we struggle trusting God? Let's talk human first because God gave us human relationships so we could learn to trust him. We struggle trusting anybody because of authority abuse. When authority abuse us, it could be a parent, uh, it could be a father, it could be a mother, it could be a coach, it could be a pastor, it could be a deacon, it can be a leader. Uh, it, it, when authority abuses us, it destroys our level of trust, past hurts and disappointments. Sometimes we struggle with tr tr uh, trust because we have past hurts and disappointments. Sometimes we just have poor role models. We struggle trusting because we have poor role models. We were raised up by parents who worried about everything. Your mama worried about everything. Your daddy worried about everything. So we didn't have a role model or trust. And then as Christians, some of us fall apart in the crisis. I don't mean to be judgmental, but some of us flake out during the crisis. We forget the Bible during the crisis. So others baby Christians and unbelievers don't have a good role model. They don't see us trusting God. Association. Sometimes it's the people we hanging with because faith is contagious and fear is contagious. And then sometimes we struggle trusting God because we have an independent controlling spirit. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of us, we want to control everything, and when we can't control everything, we get nervous. We get nervous because we like, we like to decide this is going to happen, decide that's going to happen, and now we're in a change situation. We're in transition. We're, uh, things are unstable. Things are confused. So now we can't control it, so we get nervous because we are not trusting God. We have controlled our environment, and now we can't control it. Sometimes people struggle trusting because of ignorance. We just don't know God well enough. We don't know him well enough. Now, I want to make two big statements, and we're going to go with these statements the rest of the way. The first big statement is God wants us to trust him and not money. I give you both of them, and then we'll come back and look at each one of them. God wants us to trust him and not money. The second statement is God wants us to trust him and not our own ability. God wants us to trust him and not our own ability. Let's talk about the first statement. God wants us to trust him and not money. Now listen carefully now. God knows we need money. You need money. I need money. Us need money. We need money. 
God knows we need money, but he doesn't want us to trust money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I'll quote it from the traditional authorized King James Version. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who richly giveth us all things to enjoy. Now, let's look at that for a moment. In the traditional King James Version, the Bible says that we're to not trust in uncertain riches. Now, the New Living Translation says that we're to not trust, or those that are rich in this world, not trust in their money, but trust in the living God. Now, when the King James Version says riches and the New Living Translation says money, it's talking about the economic system of the world. God is saying, don't put your trust in the economic system of the world. Don't put your trust in your job. Don't put your trust in your career. Don't put your trust in your businesses or your business enterprises. Don't put your trust in your personal property. Don't put your trust in your real estate. Don't put your trust in your financial resources, your bank accounts or whatever you have. He says, don't Put your trust in this system. That's what he's saying. Don't put your trust in this system. And he tells us why. In the King James Version, he says, uncertain riches. In the New Living Translation, he says, unreliable money. Uncertain riches, unreliable money. In other words, God is telling us that whether we have much or have little, we should not put our trust in it. He wants us to have it, but he doesn't want us to put our trust in it. Don't put your trust in the job. Don't put your trust in the business. Don't put your trust in the money. Don't put your trust in the government. Don't put your trust in, 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 in. He said, don't put your trust in this. Put your trust in the living God, the living God. Trust the living God. Trust the living God. The, 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 the implication is that riches, the economic system, and money is unreliable and uncertain, but God is not. That's the implication. Put your trust in someone who's reliable, someone who's certain. Now, how can I know when I have placed my trust in money? Let's, let's move through this right quick. I know that I put my trust in money 
when my worth and esteem is determined by what I possess. My worth and my esteem is determined by what I possess. I know I place my trust in money when a change in my financial state causes a change in how I treat others. I, I received a beautiful testimony from one of our members that right in the middle of this pandemic, he got a promotion, making more money than he's ever made in his life, overseeing more people than he's overseed in his life. And I won't tell you his name, and I'm not going to give his testimony because I want him to give his testimony to you. But I know when I put my trust in it, if when my financial state changed, I changed the way I treat others. Thirdly, I'll know that I place my trust in money when I rationalize why I should not give as I should. I rationalize why I should not give as I should. I know that I put my trust in money fourthly when I choose to violate godly principles to gain more money. In this time, in this season, you have to be very careful that you don't be tempted, watch this, to violate godly principles to gain more money. And then finally, I know that I put my trust in money when my financial state is valued above my obedience to God. My financial state is valued above my obedience to God. I quickly give you those again. I know that I place my trust in money when my worth and esteem is determined by what I possess. Secondly, when a change in my financial state causes a change in how I treat others. Thirdly, when I rationalize why I should not give as I should. Fourthly, when I choose to violate godly principles to gain more money. And then finally, when my financial state is valued above my obedience to God. Now, in October, October the 2nd, I keep a journal, year 2000, year 2000, year 2000. That's really almost... 20 years ago, about 19, clo very close to 20 years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I put it in my journal. I even have shared it with my church. He said this to me, economic upheaval is coming. Well, I, I got to break this down because we're in it. I said, we're in it. The word upheaval means a violent and sudden change or disruption of something. I'll say it again. The word upheaval means a violent and sudden change or disruption of something. The word upheaval also means a big change that affects people's lives and causes a lot of trouble confusion, and worry. 
upheaval means a big change that affects people's lives and causes a lot of trouble, confusion, and worry. Sounds like what we're in right now. Now let's add economic upheaval to the word. Economic upheaval is coming. Economic upheaval literally means a shock to the economic system and financial markets. It means a shock to the economic systems and financial markets. Economic upheaval means sudden loss of jobs. It means declining property value. It means a lack of capacity to provide services. It means a loss of hope in the future. Now I'm going to go back to that again. Economic upheaval involves these things. Listen, and I want you to assess whether or not we're there now. Economic upheaval is a shock to the econ economic system. It's a shock to financial markets. It would involve sudden loss of jobs, declining property value, lack of capacity to provide services, loss of hope in the future. It sounds like we're there now. I read an article. This is so very important. And I'm glad I'm in God. I'm glad you're in God. I'm glad you're born again. And if you're not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him today. This would be a scary place, a scary place, if we did not have God. And now it is time that we trust the one that we have, the one that is in us, for us, and with us. We must trust him. Now listen at this. I read an article online uh, yesterday, and it read, An Economic Crisis, this is the title, An Economic Crisis, like we've never seen. The theme of the article was what the coronavirus means to the U.S. economy. What the coronavirus means to the U.S. economy. Here's a statement that the author made in the article. What is happening, now remember my definitions of economic upheaval, what is happening is a shock to the American economy more certain, severe, and different than anyone alive has ever experienced. The author said this shock to the economy is more certain, more severe, and more different than anyone alive has ever experienced. The author said this, we are purposefully freezing economic activity in order 
to slow a public health crisis. Wow. The author said, we are purposefully, purposefully freezing economic activity. That's exactly what we're doing. Millions of people are not working right now. Millions of people are at home right now. The author said we are purposely freezing economic activity in order to slow a public health crisis. Well, I summarized it like this. We're fighting two major wars at the same time. And the difference is we're not fighting somewhere else. We're not fighting two major wars on enemy soil, on foreign soil. We're fighting two major wars, a public health crisis, an economic crisis, and we're fighting these two major wars on our own soil. No one alive has ever experienced what we're experiencing today. So listen to me, listen to me, listen to me carefully. And, and I'm speaking to you as the prophet of God. Listen to me. This is different. We cannot approach this like things as usual, which goes to my next, my next statement. God wants us to trust him and not our own ability. He wants us to trust him and not our own ability. He doesn't want us to trust our talents. He doesn't want us to trust our gifts. He doesn't want us to trust our skill. He doesn't want us to trust our intelligence. He doesn't want us to trust our positions. He doesn't want us to trust our influence. He doesn't want us to trust our experience. He does not want us to trust our connections. What am I saying? What are you saying, Michael? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying we're in a different game. And the rules that you and I play by, intelligence, skill, hard work, position, influence, experience, connections, they do not work in this game. In this game, in this game, you and I, we have to trust God. In other words, God is calling us to death to self. Say that, death to self. Come on, say it again. Death to self. Come on, say it again. Death to self. Come on, say it again. Death to self. In other words, Death to self, and I want you to mark this down. I want you to meditate on it. Death to self releases God's resurrection power. Death to self will release God's supernatural power. I'm going to read a text in a moment before I close, but you got to listen to me. I want you to come up real close, and I want you to listen to me, and I want you to go back, and I want you to listen to this podcast because God is prepping you. He's prepping you because 
only death to self. If you try to figure this out, oh, come on now. Listen to our leaders. Listen to the experts. They don't understand. They do not understand what we're dealing with. Read between the lines. They are trying to get a handle on it. Nobody is positive. Nobody is certain. We think this. We hope this. This is an aspirational goal. Listen, you better listen up, Saint. It's no time to be walking around talking about I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. You better spend time in the Word. I'm telling you, you better spend time in God's Word because it's only trust in God. Now, listen at this. Listen at this. And I'm working my way to a text, and I'm going to close. Abraham and Sarah passed the stage of reproduction. And when they passed that age where it was naturally possible for them to reproduce a child, the resurrection power enabled them to produce a child when it was impossible. We're talking about the boat is full of water. We're talking about the boat is ready to capsize. I want to ask you a question. I want to I ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. We had an aspirational goal of getting back to the activity Easter. Okay? Listen to me. I'm not criticizing anybody. Don't hear this as a criticism. I'm not criticizing the president. I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm talking to you, believer. I'm talking to you because you got to be sober in this day. It was an aspirational goal. We got another aspirational goal of April the 30th. And many of you, you're sitting around just kind of waiting on everything to change and everything going to change. And we're going to be back in the tournament, the NBA tournament. I hope we do. And many of you, oh, can't wait for football season to start. I hope we do. I'm believing. I'm, I'm, I'm with you believing. But just what if? What if this? Now, this ain't doubt and unbelief. I'm just trying to motivate you to trust God. What if? this stay-at-home thing turns into a quarantine and we can only go to the grocery store, to the drugstore, CVS or whatever drugstore, and we can only go to the doctor, to medical support, food support, and we have to go home. And just what if, now you, you know I'm a, a prosperity person, I'm, I got my faith out there, I'm not believing for this, I'm not believing for this, but what if it extended to the fall? What if you and I can't work to the fall? You know who that's going to hurt? It's going to hurt the poor. It's going to hurt those who are in survival mode. In other words, they live from payday to payday. It's going to hurt small businesses. Some small businesses will never get back up. Never get back up. It's going to hurt self-employed people. The Walmarts, the Targets are going to make it. But many people will not make it. But those who put their trust in God, even when it looked like the boat is about to capsize, God says to us, I'll see you through it. Now, I want to close out with this. I want to close out with a text, but I want to read it. 
in the King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. I want you to listen to this. The Apostle Paul found himself in a situation that it was so desperate that deliverance seemed impossible. And I'm, I'm, all I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not prophesying things are going to get worse. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying to you, what if you find yourself in desperate situations and deliverance seems impossible, humanly impossible? Who are you going to trust. Now listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 through 10. Listen carefully and then I'm going to read it out of the message Bible. Paul said, "For we would not brethren have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul said, we were in a situation, y'all, and I, I want to remind you of it, Paul says, and it was so tough and so adverse and so challenging that we were beyond human ability. It was beyond human ability, and it looked hopeless, Paul said. Verse 9, he said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but trust in the living God, which raised the dead. Paul said, this situation brought us to a point where we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Listen, this situation was so dire, so desperate. Paul said, that we had nothing on the inside of us, no intelligence, no wisdom, no resources, no nothing. We had nothing that we could look to in ourselves. We had the sentence of death in ourselves, but he said that was a good place because it forced us to trust in the living God. And notice verse 10, he said, who delivered us. God delivered us, that's past tense. He delivered us from so great a death and do it delivered, that's present tense, and whom we trust that he will deliver us. Paul says, listen, we had the sentence of death. Man, that thing was so dire. That thing was so challenging. Ooh, it looked like we weren't going to make it. It just looked like we were going to make it. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. We could not look to ourselves. We had to trust God. And he said, God delivered us. In the past, God is delivering us in the present, and he said God will deliver us in the future. That's what God is saying to you. He delivered you. Think back on something that he brought you through. Some of you came through some tough stuff. You came out of that world, and God brought you into the marvelous life, and some of you was in drugs. Some of you were suicidal. Some of you were in immorality. You were in, uh, not some of you, all of us were in some stuff, and God delivered us. And God is saying, I delivered you then, I'll deliver you now, and I'll deliver you in the future. Now, listen at the Message Bible. Listen, Bible, Message Bible, I'm about to close. That same text, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, in the Message Bible. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was 
when all this came down on us in Asia province, it was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sentenced to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened to us. Paul said it was the best thing that could have happened to us instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it. We were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead and he did it rescued us from certain doom, and he'll do it again, Paul says, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. I'm not trying to scare you, but what if it's not April the 30th? What if it's September what if it recurs again in the fall? Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? So rather now, rather than walking around talking about how bored you are, just maybe God is giving you time to build up your spirit Build up your spirit so that no matter what happens, you got more time. Listen, I always spend time in the word. I always pray. I have prayed more during this time. I've been in the word more than this time. Listen, this is the opportunity because we're so busy. This is the opportunity for you to spend more time. Forget about the aspirational goals. Think, think, I have to prepare myself regardless to when it stops. Forget about it. Turn your trust from that. Turn your trust to God, and I'm going to get in that word. I'm going to be in that word. I'm going to take this extra time, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to spend time with God. And no matter what happens, God will deliver me. No matter what happens, God will deliver me. God, no matter what happens, no matter how long it is, God will deliver you. That has to be your mentality. Now, I'm going to close with this. You can trust God three ways. You can trust him out of desperation. You can trust him out of deliberation. Or you can trust him out of revelation. Three ways. If you sit around... I'm bored. I don't have anything to do and not spend time in the word. And all this time, God is giving you time to build up your spirit, build up your spirit. And you wait and you find out it's not going to end April the 30th. And it's not going to end this summer. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm saying if you wait, then you're going to be trying to Trust God out of desperation. And a lot of times when we're desperate, it's not really faith, it's fear. God help me. You gotta help me. You know, you, you Lord, you gotta help me. And there's no faith in it. Or you can trust Him in deliberation. You can begin to think now, I'm gonna take these scriptures and I'm gonna meditate these scriptures and I'm gonna do some deliberate things to prepare myself spiritually. I'm gonna do all the natural things. I'm gonna 
practice social distancing. I'm not going to be shaking folk hand, high-fiving folk and all that. I'm going to practice all that. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to do all that. But I'm going to spend time in that word till it just rolls out of me, till it just comes out out of the bottom of my mouth, just falls out of my mouth because I built it in my heart. So you can begin to deliberately do some things, and then you get over to a place where you get revelation and you can see it. Once you get it in your spirit, revelation, you don't care what's happening. That's where Jesus was. He in a boat full of water and he sleep. I mean, he sleep. They panic and falling out the wall, the boat about to capsize and Jesus sleep. Why? Because he had a revelation. We're going to the other side. <laughs> what was in him was bigger than what he saw outside of him. That's what revelation does for you. If you spend enough time in it, it will drive out all fear and all doubt. And what's going on around you will be smaller than what's on the inside of you. I hope you got blessed today. I'm going to give you the other side of that prophecy. God gave me another word. Remember, he said provision is coming. We'll talk about that next week. Provision is coming. 